Hey, welcome to another episode of Random Thoughts with Matt. I'm your host, Matt Burks. And if you like the podcast, please follow and share with friends. Uh, and follow on Instagram, Random Thoughts with Matt. So today's episode, we're going to get into politics a little bit. And I want to start off with um, something that happened recently, which was, uh, or came out recently, which was Noam Chomsky's view on, on mandatory vaccinations, because I thought it was an interesting view, um, and it got a little bit of attention. Um, so if you haven't heard, uh, Noam Chomsky, had, it was a 40-second segment where he mentioned the fact that, uh, where he mentioned uh, about mandatory vaccinations that um, he believes that, you know, it, they should, va- vaccination shouldn't be forced, yet individuals who refuse to get them shouldn't be uh, or or should have the decency to isolate themselves from those who uh, those who are vaccinated or are at higher risk Um, I didn't get a lot of the backlash about that I didn't I didn't think that was a terrible view a terrible take on it Um, I think you know I uh, one of the things I hate about um, arguments and uh, people who make arguments is I, I'm very much someone who relies on statistics, relies on scientific data uh, to prove a point. And so when I hear arguments where people say, oh, well, you know, my friends or my family got it and they got it, I mean, that, that's, those are all personal arguments and they all hold weight but they don't hold weight in relation to statistics if statistics say that getting a vaccination is makes you less likely to get the virus then it is in your best interest to get the virus setting all arguments aside about the long-term effects which we aren't aware about but if you were to disregard the long-term effects the statistics say that getting the vaccine helps um and i think if someone were to make an argument saying that they don't want to get it because of the potential long-term, you know, um, effects of the vaccine, that's one thing. But if someone's just getting it because of some conspiratorial belief that the government's forcing it for some unbeknown reason, I mean, it's ridiculous to me. And uh, in terms of Chomsky's view about about, you know, isolating, I mean, I don't know if it's the right way to look at it. It really... You know, at the end of the day, it comes down to um, it comes down to a lot of different factors. One of the which one of which is just how deadly is the virus really? Um, I think one of the things we're, we're we're tinkering around, and we don't we can't say this publicly because you can't talk ethics um, in 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 public life. It's 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 impossible to do because people get emotional. And it's hard to talk ethics, but you have to make a, a, a decision as a country what, what amount of lives is acceptable I mean, for, to lose for a virus, right? You have to do that, right? And until we accept that that's an actual decision that has to be made, you know, we're never going to have a correct argument with this. You know, we're never going to have a correct argument in relations to COVID and vaccinations because people are going to say this x amount of people are dying because they're not vaccinated or x y i mean you have to have a numerical a number i mean people die every year from heart disease Uh, they die they die from so many different diseases that we're just okay and it's just normalized but because this is just in the media in our faces 
it's not really normalized in that sense. And so we're, we're pointing out all the death tolls here, but, you know, we're ignoring all the death tolls from all the other things that we're willing to accept as, you know, just normal casualties of life and well-being. I mean, people die from the flu every year, right? And some people don't get the, vac don't get the shot, the, the flu shot. I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at this, but we have to make a decision as a country, you know, what, what the right, what the statistics point to and what it's, what's an okay, and, and this isn't being cold hearted, right? You know, you know, it's, it's just being, I think it's being a realist about the issue with COVID. Um, and you have to, the, the one thing that's just, it's, it's difficult to say is, you know, you do feel, you have to have sympathy and compassion for those individuals that are more likely to get sick and that's in, uh, more likely to die from this illness, which is the elderly, people who are overweight and all these, have all these other underlying uh, health conditions. You have to be sympathetic to that. And so if you're, those pe people are, are going to have, those people have to work, right? They have to work. I mean, they, they have to go to jobs, right? And so when you're in a position where, you know, those people have to go to jobs, if they have to go to jobs with people who are not vaccinated or refuse to get vaccinated, then there's a problem because they're more at risk. And if someone is just for some conspiratorial reason not getting the vaccination, that's not good. So I, I agree with him in one sense, but I think the underlying thing is we have to be we have to as a country understand what we're willing to accept as 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 an okay number of people lost. And that's going to come from understanding the tally mark of, of you know, is, is, the, is the amount of people are losing from COVID, is like every, if it becomes a, a yearly phenomena, uh, is that overwhelmingly more people lost than we, we lose to other illnesses, to other diseases, to other viruses? Um, and I think that's the, under one, uh, the, the number one question that needs to be addressed. I mean, and this comes from statistics, right? So one of the, one of the things, I'm, I consider myself a Republican, but one of the things I think was, I, and I hate saying this because it's just to me, it's, it, to me it's simple. Um, it's, I, think it, I think the problem was we didn't have a Democrat in office when this happened. And I think if, let's say Biden was in office when this whole thing happened, the one thing that would have been better would would have been there would have been uh, more centralization as to how the statistics were kept in the beginning of this. So the problem, in my view, with COVID was the because we had different states implementing different rules for whole, the whole COVID thing, the entire the, the whole process when Trump was in office, we had different states tallying what was constituted a COVID death. What was constitute what, what what constituted you know you know uh, asymptomatic versus symptomatic the amount of and there was no centralized system in place and because there was no centralized system in place we you're using you're trying to use statistics that weren't under the same metric in different states and you were trying to find a unified statistic throughout the states but you can't do that if each state is tallying things differently. Right. And that's what happened with Trump in, in office. And that's because you had a Republican in office. And I it, like in my view, and like I said, my views aren't always they're not. Don't don't take me as always being correct. I'm just 
stating my opinion about it. But because we had a Republican in office, you had different states taking different numbers. And you ha that meant the statistics got messed up. And you needed, what we needed at the time of this was a Democrat in office that was going to centralize the whole thing and make it so every state was going to be taking down the same statistics, the same, and using the same metrics to weigh those statistics. But we didn't have that. And so you, you got into this position where you, you had basically worthless stats. You were comparing a state like New Jersey that was closing down early to a state like Florida that was opening up. That was that was wide open, and you just there, there was no way to unify the statistics we had. And I'm a big guy on statistics. I really am. I'm I'm big on science. I'm big on statistics. And if you don't have those in order, it's hard to make a good decision. And it makes it even harder, you know, when the the whole country is going crazy about what to do, what not to do. And that actually um, that brings me to my next point, which is the Fauci emails, uh, which I, I believe I've touched upon, but. I think one of the things I'm, 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 I don't think Fauci is a bad person, but I think people don't think of implications long term and big scale. Um, and I think that that's just human nature. Um, I think, you know, people say, oh, because the emails got released and they said something different or he's said something different, you know. He, he's a liar or his credibility goes down I, to me to doubt this guy's credibility is to doubt science's credibility uh, i mean if, if, if there's anything that if, if there's any person you shouldn't doubt it's probably fauci his, his his credibility his credentials are are far and away you know uh, 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 outweigh anybody. It's why he's in the position he's in. Now, that doesn't mean you ignore self-interest in this situation. doesn't mean you believe he's simply altruistic and everything. But if you're going to believe somebody, it's him. It, 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 to me, it, it's that simple. Now, when we talk about whether... Let me, let me, let me tell you a, a situational... Uh, give you a situational understanding of how I would have approached this if I were Fauci, Right? People talk about the lab leak theory and the the uh, the lab leak theory versus if it was just transmitted from an animal and all, all all this stuff. Now let me let me say something on this. Right, when Fauci's making a decision, he has got to in, in factor in so many things. Right, so one of the things I would consider is diplomatic relations between U.S. and China. That's how far I would go into the implications of before I even mentioned to the public that I thought it was possible it came from a lab. I would think about the diplomatic relations between U.S. and China, and I would make extra sure that I was 100% right if I were ever to make those accusations. And here's why. If you're to make accusations like that, everyone says to themselves, oh, well, we, we have to hold China accountable. Well, how exactly would you like to do that, right? So that's the problem, right? We, we don't recognize, you know, China's a superpower, okay? They have so much influence, and we rely on them for so much. How exactly is U.S. going to hold them accountable? Now, here's the problem. If it were, you know, if it were to come out that it, and we knew for 100% certainty, with 100% certainty, that it was manufactured in a, in a lab, in, uh, you know, if, if we knew for 100 you would have to hold China accountable. You would have to do something. But there's not a whole lot you can do, 
right? They're, they're, right, because it even with the the UN, I mean, there's not a whole lot with like all these nations that they can hold a, a power like China accountable, right? So if they're going to make a decision, if you're going to make a decision about about it being from a lab, you better be first off. You better be a hundred percent sure that it's the case. Now, when you talk about the fact that it was emails were being released, of course, in his emails, he might cite that it's a possibility. But you don't want to play that in the public eye. You don't want to do that because of the diplomatic implications of it. And the worst part about it is if you have that scenario, right, it could make America look weak, right? Because if you're in a position where America's got to hold a country accountable and they can't do anything, it's going to make them look weaker as a power, right? So you better be absolutely sure that it came from a lab and not and not play this oh oh well it might have so we might as well say no you better be sure because your america would lose or would look like a weaker country if they tried to hold china accountable and china just didn't do anything right i mean it's 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 everyone just assumes to themselves oh it's it's easy to hold them accountable yeah tell me how tell me how you're going to hold china accountable how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that when we rely on so much of what China does for our manufacturing, for all, all, all of the things we do for America? A lot of the things we do, a lot of things we get are from China, okay? And so when you talk about holding them accountable, how do you intend to do that? And like I said, you want to say you, the UN or all these other uh, you know, diplomatic uh, international agencies, you know, it's hard for them to do that. You know, I, I took a class on the IMF you know, uh, on the IMF, uh, uh, International Monetary Fund, uh, in grad school. And one of the things you knew or you learned pretty easily and pretty straightforward is it's hard to rebuild countries by giving them money or, or even signing contracts with them. Why is it hard? Because there's no, there's, it, it, there's not a whole lot we can do that's going to be able to hold them accountable aside from going to war with them. Right, and you're not going to go to war with every country that doesn't listen to you, right? That's why a lot of the times you you give you give these countries money, a lot of money, and nothing changes, nothing happens. Why? Because you can't really change the leadership or force the leadership to do something. You could ask them to do something. You can have them. You can say, okay, we're going to give you X amount of money. You have to do this. You can ask them, and they'll take the money. But that doesn't mean they're going to do it. It is hard to hold other countries accountable. And it is even harder to hold a country that is so strong as China accountable. And it's hard to do it because they're so powerful, right? And that we, like I said, we rely on them for a lot of things. You know, and I think one of the things that I'm trying to get at is, you know, people just don't understand the implications of what they mean, of what their decisions, of what their reasonings are. You know, they don't understand the implications because they don't think far ahead, right? I, I consider myself someone who thinks really far ahead. I, that, that's just that's just how I was programmed. I don't know why I was born like that. Um, but I, I, I consider myself someone who looks very far ahead. But I'm going to give you something or a little insight on how a lot of people think. And it's pulled from a study. Um, so, so I'll give you a little background on something I like to talk about. which I love psychology. Um, so one of the things in psychology you can learn about is cognitive dissonance. And cognitive dissonance is the brain's ability to um, seek harmony in its reasoning, right? So, uh, for example, 
you know, uh, let's say two people went to, uh, there was a study with two people and they were both told to go to a, uh, a seminar that they both equally didn't like and the seminar was three hours. Okay. Now they come, uh, now one of them, you tell them you're going to give them $20 to go and the other one, you're going to give them nothing, zero. You're not giving them any money. When they come back from the, when you ask them before the seminar, how interested they are in the seminar, they're both equally uninterested. They're both, they don't want to be, they don't want to go to the seminar at all. Now, when they come back from the seminar, the one person gets $20, the other person gets nothing. If you ask them after the seminar, right, why, wh what they think, thought about the seminar, the person who got the $20 is likely to give you the same answer as they did in the beginning, which is they hated it. The person who didn't get any money is likely to tell you that they actually liked the seminar, right? They thought the seminar wasn't as bad as they thought, X, Y, Z, whatever reason. And that's cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is they're rationalizing to themselves because they have to find a justification for why they why they spent three hours in the seminar, right? That's what people do, right? They people A lot of times people just rationalize. I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of times or oftentimes people rationalize, right? And there was a study I read about this and I thought it was so incredible because it just, it gave you such good insight on the human, human nature and how humans reason. So there was a study I read in grad school that talked about abortion and it was, uh, uh, and, and it just goes to show you that people don't think of the implications of their decisions long term or what they mean big picture, right? So, so there was a study where they had two groups of people um, and it was about abortion and they had one group of people that believed in abortion uh, were pro-choice uh, and other people and the other group was pro-life. Okay. Now, yet those two groups of people. Um, but the problem was, or the, the, what they did was they gave each group of people, and they, they asked for their opinions, obviously got pro-life, pro-choice, but then they ha they gave them a, 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 a decision about the Supreme Court, right? Uh, a, 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 a Supreme Court decision. And what they did was they found out, or I think it was a couple of groups, but those were the two kind of things that had pro-life, pro-choice. And what they found out was that when the Supreme Court decision, it was a, it was a faulty decision, it was just made up, um, but it, they just did it for the study. When the Supreme Court decision was in their favor, was like if it was pro-choice and you were a pro-choicer, you were inclined to say, oh, that it was a just process. It was it, justice was granted. It was the right call, right? But when it was went against what you thought, right? When it went against what you thought, the people were likely to say, oh, it was corruption. Oh, it was, it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't fair. It wasn't justice. It wasn't. So they were based, and think about the implications of that. Think about the implications of that. They were willing to say to themselves that completely undermine the Supreme Court because they couldn't rationalize, they couldn't believe to themselves that they that a a, 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 a a normal institution, an institution that wasn't corrupt, could come to a decision that was against their belief. They couldn't they couldn't accept it, right? So that's a, a in the implications of that is they're undermining democracy in that argument, right? And they don't even realize it because they, they don't think of implications outside of them. They're thinking about the implications only with their belief. That's all. And this. This is something you see a lot, and you see it a lot um, 
um, and it, it uh, in just politics in general. It's it's one of the reasons why I think it's so difficult to have uh, arguments in politics because it's so easy to fall back on other opinions, right? So I I had this 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 thought when I when I read that paper. And I almost wonder if it's why there's no there's such a disconnect in pol- political conversation, um, because when you when you think about if you let's say you had two laymans people debating politics right one was a Republican, one was a Democrat right, what they're debating most of the time is something they believe in. They're, it's something that that they feel is true. It's it's coming from an investment and emotion right, and, or a value they have. Right, they're debating that, right? And so when you've layman's going back and forth, right? If you, you know, let's say, let's say the Republican loses the debate, right? Well, what's their? What, what, it's not like they're just going to change their view, or most of the times they don't. It's it's hard to get them to change their view. What what a lot of times you'll see is they'll just say, well, I I just disagree with you, or something to that extent, right? And the reason is you have you can say to them they could say to themselves well what does this guy know i mean i watch fox news fox news has more credibility than you and it's fox news agrees with me and so it's like it's like it's cognitive dissonance happening almost in the argument right the 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 investment the investment is in the belief right and so they have to rationalize why they keep the belief rather than change the belief right so you're 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 rationalizing that that even if the argument's better than yours, you're rationalizing, well, this person doesn't have credibility, or I shouldn't believe X. And that's one of the problems with the mainstream media. We've, we've we developed a system due to social media, mass amount of information, mass amounts of information. We've developed the system where there's no hierarchy for what's right and what's wrong. Any news outlet can be thwarted by another news outlet in terms of rationalizations. And so we're politically divided because people will just rationalize to what they watch, what they consume, what they see, right? And to them, right? To them, it's it makes sense because it's like, oh well, this person is 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 an anchor for you know X Y Z news. I should I should take their opinion over yours. But you know, when you talk about all the news outlets, it's it's like you can cherry pick whatever you want, right? And when we're talking about beliefs, we're, beliefs are kind of more emotional. They're, they're, they're kind of an emotional investment that we have. And because we're in this, like I said, we're in this situation in our society where there's mass amounts of information, you can pull information anywhere, there's no real hierarchy. It used to be, you know, the main, it used to be the mainstream news was the hierarchy, right? But now because you have so many mainstream news outlets, you can pull from anywhere. And people are even doubting that. People are even, they're even doubting, they're doubting that ability. I mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's incredible to understand where we're at from a news, in, in a news world. You know, it, it's, it's, it, the, ma- the, the information flux we have is creating such a, a, I guess, I, I guess, I, I don't, I couldn't even describe what it is, but it's just, it's creating something where we don't have a hierarchy of what to pull from. And because of that, everybody has got a reason to pull from X or everyone thinks it's justified to pull from Y. And 
that has got to change as a society. We have to we have to go back to the bedrock, which is statistics and evidence. And until we get there, until we understand that that's the most important thing, you know, we're never going to be able to change each other's minds. We're never going to be able to get to the positions of of you know growth and progress because progress demands that we have the right numbers, the right statistics, we're making the right decisions on the right information. And until we get there, you know, we're going to be stuck in this loop where it's just continuously just doubting information or or or, or saying your information is better than mine or my information is better. It, it, we're going to be stuck there. And I hope as a society we start to see that sooner. Um, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end the podcast there. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening. Uh, Follow me on Instagram, Random Thoughts with Matt, and uh, I will uh, I will see you on the next one.